Hey, loyal follower. Uh, this is the Football Grump with just a quick forward for this episode. Um, this was an emotional topic for us. Is um, Normally, I spend quite a bit of time editing down a uh, you know 45-minute podcast to a 30-minute listenable episode and take out some ranting and ravings. But um, since this was so emotional and uh, the Cranky Fan and I did not discuss this topic prior to um, recording this episode, we decided to keep it in its entirety. It's an hour long. I understand if that's too long, whatever, but, um, we thought it was best this way. Um, the other thing I just want to apologize quickly, you know, uh, cranky van had some technical difficulties, um, and we would have had to have put off recording this episode. Um, if we didn't ignore the fact that his audio quality is a little bit shitty. So I apologize for that. It's definitely still listenable, but it's not up to, you know, our standards, but you know, this was an important episode for us. So without further ado, um, here it is. You're listening to the just giants podcast with grump and the cranky fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Manning loves it. Burris alone. Touchdown New York. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the dumbest goddamn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me is Mike the Cranky Fan. Mike, I know um, you're used to hearing a different intro every time we do one of these podcasts. I really like to find some kind of either a really cool highlight broadcast or, you know, if we lose some kind of clever movie quote. Or, you know, on the rare occasion that we win, I have, you know, back in the New York groove playing. Uh, from here on out, I'm just doing Eli Manning highlights. Hey, it's fine with me, man. When you have no present and you have no future, you might as well, you know, revel in the past. I mean, <laughs> this is obviously a very special episode of Just Giants where, you know, we're going to try to make some sense of what happened. You know, I, I we know what all the obvious narratives are. I actually have a different theory. I have a bit of a conspiracy theory, and I want to float it out there to everybody and see what you think. And um, a couple of um, a couple of premises to this show. Uh, Trump and I have not talked since the announcement. Uh, I've been traveling, and um, we just have not communicated. So this will be raw and fresh. What were our emotions are and our reaction to each other. So this ought to be a an interesting show. So with that, the yeah. floor is yours. Yeah. Um, I've been containing myself because I haven't spoken to really anybody about this. Um, and I've been, I'm like the resident giants fan at work. So I've been approached several times and kind of kept my cool, but I'm going to fucking unload on all you right now. Um, so Eli Manning after 210, uh, career starts, second, all time consecutive starts, um, is, not benched as is what is um, commonly being reported, um, was actually given the opportunity to start, but was told that he will be pulled from every game remaining um, to get a look at the other quarterbacks in the roster. Eli declined that opportunity and said, if you want to take a look at the other guys, just take a look at the other guys. He doesn't care about the streak. Um, 
he he's here to win games. He's always been here to win games. This is a guy that for 13 years now has never complained. Never complained um about offensive line, about the scheme, about other players. He's never turned away an interview or turned away the podium. He's changed systems, he's changed coaches, and he's always taken the blame for everything. And he always gives the credit to the other players. Um, I'm not entirely against the idea of seeing what else is there. We have discussed many times on this show, this, this whole season, that we know Eli's time is coming to an end. You know, how long that's been has been, you know, sort of argued between me and Cranky Fan. Um, I think we all agree that it would be more than just this year. And it would it would have depended on his health and his ability, neither of which have been an issue. He's not been hurt. Um, and his play has been pretty good considering the cast around him. Um, he's had his games where you, you say something like, oh, he's, Eli's got to play better than that. Eli's got to hold on to the ball. He's got to make a better decision. Every quarterback has that. Um, this decision is bullshit. It's stupid. The idea that you're going to bench him for Geno Smith because Davis Webb has not taken any reps, has not prepared to start. He's prepared, but he wasn't given the opportunity to prepare in practice. He's been doing only scout team reps. It 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 seems ridiculous. Um, the idea that you're going to see anything from Geno Smith that's going to convince you that he has a future on this team as anything more than a backup. And this is not a backup scenario. Let, let's, let's talk about what a backup scenario is. A backup scenario is when your starter is out for two to three weeks, maybe three to four weeks, but will return. A backup is a guy who gives you your best chance to win in those three to four weeks while your starter gets better and can come back in. Um, this is not a backup scenario. The team is two and nine. The season is over. Um, obviously, Eli Manning's time here is coming to an end, but the way this has been treated, is, it's ridiculous. Geno Smith is not the answer. We know what Geno Smith is. He was a Bust coming out of college. He was not all that impressive in the ACC of all divisions. Uh, you know, he was kind of drafted entirely for his physical specimen and the idea that he might be able to grow into a player. He didn't even make a first-round draft pick. Davis Webb, on the other hand, is a guy you might be maybe able to make a future out of. But this is a guy who was a third-round draft pick. He, he, This is not a slam dunk. This is not the Kurt Warner scenario that we saw Eli come in. Eli is the first overall pick that was traded because they knew this was the future they were going to. Eli was taking reps. He was prepared to come in. This is this is a horrendous decision. And the fucking lie, the lie that we're being told that, you know, the goal is still to win games is ridiculous. It's stupid. Um This is it's inexplicable, and and a guy who's been one of the good guys in the league does not deserve to be treated this way. He's a two-time Super Bowl MVP, um, four-time Pro Bowler. Phil Philip Rivers looks up to this guy. Drafted the same time, Ben Roethlisberger looks up to this guy. They all look up to this guy. Um, I think the thing that makes me the most mad is when. 
when Kurt Warner was, or I'm sorry, when Phil Sims was relieved of his duties as a Giants quarterback, Wellington Mara came out to make that announcement, and he knew it was time. Um, but he also recognized the idea that it was a sad day for him. John Mara has disappeared. Um, was not there. Was not available for comment. Was in some meeting or some shit. And I think John Mara has handled things a little bit poorly the last couple of years. You know, especially the Josh Brown situation. He's not absolved from blame for that. And in my opinion, he's not absolved from blame for this. This is this is ridiculous. And I I did and and obviously looking through social media, especially Twitter, you can see a lot of former players, people like Carl Banks, livid, um, you know, OCU Manura, Justin Tuck, speechless, Dave Deal. All these people coming out of the woodwork. Dave Tollefson, a guy I haven't thought about in a while. Terrell Thomas said, as long as we're playing washed-up players, Ben McAdoo should sign me. Um, I I saw one thing from a Jets fan where they were sort of laughing about the situation. And I, you know, like, oh, Eli Manning's been benched for Geno Smith. And I wanted to like, get involved and correct and be like, he hasn't been benched for him for his play or anything like that. I didn't bother. You know why? Because we are the laughing stock of the league right now. And it's the one thing the Giants organization has never been through all wins or losses. They've never been a laughing stock. We are officially the laughing stock of the league. And I've never been more disappointed in this organization. That's a, that's a lot to swallow. Excellent job. Um, let me kind of go through some of the points because I have, I have a slightly different take on all of this. Um, well, I'm I'm not I'm not criticizing the move of him. So oh yeah, it's it's just the situation in which it happened and the way he was treated is me sounding off on that. Yeah, I, I, I the one thing that you said which I 100% agree is they're lying as to why they're doing this. Um, when I think McAdoo says something like, "We have some, you know, we think the game plan with using Geno Smith is our best chance to win against Oakland," that is horseshit. That is complete bullshit. Nobody believes that for one single second. Um, however, I want to get back to kind of the root of the, the anger and the angst about all of this thing. You know, this is a lost season. Th- this season is over. We're thinking about next year and the future and, and way forward. I think it is a very reasonable request to ask of Eli, listen, you know, we're going to have you start these games, but we want other quarterbacks to play. It was his decision to say, no, that's okay. So as soon as that happened, the Giants have done such a bad job of messaging the last couple of years. And Ben McAdoo is so horrendous in front of the microphone in press conferences, in interviews, his attitude, that they just fucked up this whole messaging of this situation. Uh, You know, to me, this turned so quickly into a pity fest for Eli when Eli kind of acknowledge and accepted that, you know, I'd rather not play than be in a situation where I'm playing half a game. You know, that's, you know, that's Eli's right. I have nothing against Eli for doing that. It's just kind of the way this came out is he's getting benched. Well, he kind of did it himself. Now, why they're doing it, this is where my conspiracy theory hat comes on. And you guys might think I'm completely crazy, but let me throw it at you. Ben McAdoo is a coach that is desperate. Ben McAdoo most likely will be fired at the end of this season. 
The last thing Ben McAdoo needs to do is to not have his best players on the field to give him the best chance to win, to show some positive momentum going into the end of the season. I really think the New York Giants football team from the top down is in 100% tank mode. They know this season's over. You know, they are trying to get as high of a draft pick as they can. You know, if that's for a quarterback, is that's for the best offensive lineman, if that's to trade down and get multiple picks and rebuild, that's to be determined. I really think this team is in tank mode. There's no way that Ben McAdoo would bench Eli, or not play Eli Manning to try to save his own job. So what I think is going to happen, and you guys may think I'm crazy, but don't be shocked if the mayors and the Tishes made a deal with Ben McAdoo and said, you do this with Eli, don't worry about the, the record the rest of this season. You ensure that we have the best potential to get the highest draft pick we can, you will be back next year. That's the trade-off. It sounds ridiculous, but is it more ridiculous than thinking that Geno Smith is your best chance to win any football game? Is it, is it more ridiculous than the bullshit that Ben McAdoo and even the mayor is saying, yeah, we agreed and we signed off on this, and Jerry Reese saying the same thing? Not that more ridiculous. So, you know, you can never say in public we are tanking on purpose. To have your coach and everybody do this when it makes no logical sense tells me something fishy is going on. And for a coach that's so close to getting fired, who, you know, if they lose the rest of their games with any sort of combination of Geno Smith and uh, Davis Webb, when Eli Manning is sitting on the bench, something has to be in play here that doesn't make any sense that we don't know. So if you hear in early January that Ben McAdoo will be back next year and you're scratching your heads for, oh, what a dick he's been and how bad this team has been. Think to this conversation on, you know, we're taping this on a, two, on a Wednesday night in the end of November, that this might be what's happening with this team. That they're looking so long into the future that this might be what they're doing. Your thoughts, Grub? It's an interesting take. Um, I don't believe it. Because at this point now, they're sitting with the second overall pick. Oh, sorry, the third. They're pretty close to getting the second. And there's pretty much a no shot of them getting the first overall pick. Cleveland is winless. They're a bad team at full strength, and they've lost their best offensive tackle, one of the best in the league, and it's clear how good he was just watching. Deshaun Kaiser is running for his life. I don't think there's a shot in hell that Cleveland wins three games and gets ahead of the Giants. At this point... There's no. I agree that they might be in full tank mode, but I don't know that this move is in any way correlated to it. I don't see a win left on this schedule for the Giants, and I don't see a win for Cleveland anywhere for the rest of the season either. So the idea that they're going to somehow skyrocket from the third pick in the draft to the first, or even or, the fucking or second. at least to guarantee the second one. They might not even get that. Uh, you know, it's certainly possible. I, I don't I don't disagree with the sentiment that there was some sort of talk between McAdoo and John Mara where it was agreed that he would be back next year and that he could do what he wants at quarterback or, you know, see what's available, sit Eli, and he he would be safe for next year. 
Um, I don't know that it went the direction that you said, where John Mara told him it's all right. I think it was more Ben McAdoo asked and was told it's all right. But let's, if at let's, all. Think, let's think a little bit about the relationship and the history of Ben McAdoo and Eli Manning. Uh, I, I, I happen to think that Ben McAdoo doesn't like Eli Manning at all. I exactly agree. I mean, this is, you know, he is in the past singled out, you know, for all the, the multitude of problems on this team. He has no problem blaming the quarterback when, you know, yes, this is not the same Eli that played in the 2007 Super Bowl, but blaming him for anything with the, with the, with the bulk of the problems on this team is, is ridiculous. And to me, I think that kind of speaks to the relationship he has with Eli. Now, Eli is pure class in front of the media, pure class with interviews, pure class in the field. But as we are learning in this day and age, we don't know anybody. We don't know our politicians. We don't know our talk show hosts. We don't know our athletes. We don't know what Eli is like behind closed doors. We don't know, you know, is he a, a power-hungry guy? Probably not, but you never know. So. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes with him. It, it's just, none of this makes sense. And, and one other thing while I'm kind of ranting and thinking about this, I'm sure we've all heard Mike Francesa's rant from yesterday, and it was a classic. It was definitely a, a top 10 Francesa rant of all time. But the one thing he's wrong about is just because you've won a Super Bowl in 2007 and 2011, does not mean you have carte blanche for the rest of your career to never be benched or never relinquish your starting thing. It's the same thing the argument he had last year about Derek Jeter before he retired, that you can never pull him out of the two-hole in the batting lineup because he's Derek Jeter. No, that's not the way it works. You can't live on Pat's glory for everything. That doesn't absolve anybody for this current situation, but it's just as interesting where... One of the main arguments why you can't bench Eli Manning is because he's a two-time Super Bowl MVP. That's pretty irrelevant at this point. It's, what can you do now? Now, what can you do now, to me, to the average Giant fan, to anybody out there, is a hell of a lot more than Geno Smith can do. And if it's, what I think this really shows is just the incompetence of this coaching staff. Because if they did have Davis Webb up to some level to play, he would be the guy playing this weekend. I think they just screwed up his development so badly and because they knew the season was going south pretty quickly. And they knew at some point they were going to make this call about Eli. And the fact that Davis Webb is only doing scout team drills and not been prepared to be the backup or potentially even start just shows that just the incompetence they have, you know, coaching up this guy. And it worries me about the future is, you know, are they still looking at him to be the guy of the future? Well, yeah, I think honestly, just like you and I, we thought that, you know, with Eli with a couple of years left on his contract that, and at the beginning of the year, this was a a team that was in discussions for going deep into the playoffs. I I think that honestly, the plan of keeping Davis Webb on just scout team this year wasn't necessarily a bad plan. I think this is a panic. I think this is, this is. This it is, serves no purpose other than to tank. Exactly. Well, that's my point. Yeah. So, well, I don't think yeah, that you could also you could also two kill kill two birds with one stone. You could tank and get Davis Webb some time under center. 
Now, I've argued against that all year because I feel you throw him in with this patchwork offensive line, no receivers, a below-average running game might retard his progress more than help anything. That's a different argument. But if he's not ready to go in there because they haven't prepared, because this season, by week, by week five, you knew it was over. I mean, yeah, there was the long shot hope of something turning around, but you knew this season was over by week five. We're now in week 13. Two months, they couldn't get the guy ready to go to potentially That's my get point. at least garbage time snaps. That's my point. I think, you know, initially the thought was, you know, you make a run for it this year. And they were clearly gearing up to make a run for it the way they handled right. the offseason. You know, if you by week five knew the season was over and you are at some point this year going to take a look at what you've got because the season's over, then that's when you start working Davis Webb in there. Geno Smith, I get why he was signed. I'm cool with it. I get why he was retained and made of the 53-man roster. I'm cool with it. Right. It doesn't change the fact that he is forever, at this point, a backup quarterback. He's not a starter. There's no He's on a one-year contract. He's a free agent. So let's say... Let's say against Oakland, he lights it up for 330 yards, and let's say the last month of the season, he's your MVP of the league. He's still a free agent. So you, the, the price term is going to skyrocket. You're not bringing him back anyway. So what are we doing? Are we just showcasing Geno Smith for his agent? Yeah. It makes and, no and, sense. And, and I, I understand your point in that Eli wasn't benched and that this pity party is sort of a bit of a pity party. But the point is, at this, whatever mistakes were made from week five until now are in the past. You know, if they, if if we're here, then you know what? Then just fuck it. Forget Geno Smith. Just start giving Davis Webb some reps, and you know, week sixteen, week seventeen, give him a shot at some point. But but the idea that you are now essentially telling Eli Manning, like, listen, we're going to pull you out and see what Geno Smith has to offer because Davis Webb isn't ready. For it, what? That's the whole point is for what? That's my point. That's what I'm saying. I, I no understand reason. that Eli Manning took himself out of these games, but it's an right. insult. It's an insult to say oh. because because they fucked up. Now we're going to be pulling you from games because the only guy we have is this schmuck who got punched in the face by a teammate a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, this 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 is you know of of course I feel bad for him. My heart breaks for this guy. He's tried his hardest with this bullshit ass offensive line all year and never once put the blame on anyone other than himself. And now he's essentially being sat at some point, whether it was by his own choice in the first quarter or you know. And by the way, it, there's no one has actually said when he was going to be benched. I've heard the term. The quote that I saw was briefly. He would play briefly. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. Does that mean he what gets is this? Is this the starting series to keep his fucking streak and that's it? That's even more insulting if that's the case. Yeah. Well, the thing is, did Ben McAdoo wake up Monday morning and say, I have an idea? Well, or is this something he had calculated for weeks? The, what I just saw before we started this podcast, and again, this is Wednesday night, um, was, according to Jordan Rain on sources, that... Um, a couple weeks ago, I believe two weeks ago, John Mara spoke to Jerry Reese about potentially seeing what else they have at quarterback. Jerry Reese had already spoken to Ben McAdoo a couple weeks prior. Why is John Mara getting involved? I don't understand it. I mean, 
there's something going on with this organization in the last couple of years. And you're right. It goes back to Josh Brown and before it, where since when does John Mara have anything to say ever about personnel decisions? Yeah. And I get it. He was at the, uh, the winter meetings or the, uh, the owners meetings this week. And that's why he wasn't around for it. But then you do this next week. I mean, the season's over or even there's tomorrow. What the fuck? Week 13, or you're doing it week 14. Makes no sense. It's 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 horseshit. He's treated like garbage, and I, I don't understand it. It's okay. it's infuriating, and I I can't believe it. it it's I'm still I feel like I'm in a bizarro world where it's one of those things. Like I said before, we don't know these guys behind closed doors. Eli might have out, well, it's outstayed his welcome with this organization. You know, we we have no idea what the personal relationship is between him and the mares and the tishes. No idea what this personal relationship is with Jerry Reese. None. You know, there might be something where it's one of those, you know, you know the, the Manning family is the master of putting out a perception of what they are to the media, to the fans, to the, the public, everything. So, again, we have no idea behind the scenes. Is there a, a, a chilled relationship with Eli and the organization that this is kind of like a natural step in that where, you know, they're trying to ultimately, you know, show him the door. It looks really bad. It looks like the Phil Sims thing. Although Phil Sims was just, you know, a free agent. They just didn't retain him. He's also hurt. He's also hurt. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, you go around the rest of the league in similar situations where you have, you know, a franchise quarterback, a guy who's your, no doubt about it, starter. How many of these guys are getting benched in week 13 or asked, we're going to split time with you and somebody else? Not to develop the future. Again, a guy where you know, there's nothing good at all can come out of Giants' improved play to now the end of the year. Yeah. Like I said, Geno's, if you want to bring him back next year, be the backup, his price skyrockets if he plays well. You know, again, that's Scott Mitchell fool's money, but the fact is somebody will pay more than you for a quarterback. You know, Potential that San Francisco can leapfrog you to the second spot. I don't know. It's just we become rudderless. And the Giants always had a rudder, what they wanted to do. And over the last couple of years, we're turning slowly but surely into the Jets. I, I'm i just still in shock. I, I don't understand how this decision is made. It's It's pathetic. And... Honestly, I'm ashamed. I, I have no way of defending this. I mean, you know, people yeah, ask me at work. I'm not taking this as personally as you are because I just I'm more concerned about all of these moves the Giant makes and all of these moves that Ben McAdoo makes. None of it is part of a cohesive plan anymore. It isn't. You know, and well, this, I'm wondering if it is. And and here's my my conspiracy. That's my theory. This is my conspiracy theory, all right? Um, it almost seems like a Chip Kelly scenario with the Eagles. Remember his last Don't year? Don't say that name to me. What? <laughs> well, Don't say that name to me. <laughs> listen, his last year, he was given free reign to obtain whatever personnel that would fit his scheme. And he, he was a guy who chose his scheme over personnel, which never works in the NFL. It just right. doesn't. Um, and I'm wondering if Ben McAdoo's the same way. He came in here, and remember, there was this big hoopla about how Eli Manning was going to have to start playing out of the shotgun like 99% of the time, which 
he didn't have too much of a problem with. But then something about how his back foot had to change. And I, I never understood why it was so important that he would have to change his back foot. I, di- I didn't get that. Um, you know, and I understand that it might be beyond my understanding. I've never played quarterback. In- well, I did, but I didn't throw the ball too well. So <laughs> it didn't really matter much. But it just seemed to me that ever since Ben McAdoo came in here, it was sort of this scheme over personnel. And I'm wondering, I don't think he ever liked Eli Manning. And I'm wondering if he's being given, if, if Ben McAdoo is being given not chance to be GM, but have a major sway with the personnel decisions. Who the fuck is Ben McAdoo? But I mean, it, it seems I mean, that way, doesn't it? it? It sort of seems like a, I would say a coup from within, but it sounds like ownership's buying into it. I, I, I don't mean, know. It's just... But, Chip Kelly at least had a track record at Oregon, oh, and yeah, I also you, yeah. ended up in two pretty successful years with the with the Eagles. Not a one year, one crappy year like McAdoo has. I mean, what coin does Ben McAdoo have around the league? Almost every decision he's made has been terrible. Yeah, no, I agree. But I mean, from the get go, it just it's like well, I remember. This is the first time I remember Ben McAdoo and thinking to myself, like, I'm not sure I'm really with this guy, was, I don't remember what game, but it was the first year he was the offensive coordinator. We were in the red zone. We were inside the five, and he threw three fade passes, and all of them failed, and we ended up having to kick a field goal. And he was asked about it afterwards, and he said, yeah, and I'd do it again. If it's the best play I've got, I'm going to do it again. And I remember thinking, like, yeah, but is it the best play you've got? I, I don't understand. Well, he's always been a stubborn, snide, sarcastic guy in the media. And, you know, that's his personality, but that's the way he thinks. Like, this is my system. This is my play calling. Didn't work. I still think it's the best. I'm still doing it again. Yeah, and, and then we saw it again with the, the use of the 11 personnel. He was asked repeatedly about that, and, you know, he stuck with it. I've mentioned many times on this podcast the the fucking, you know, for all the flack that Eric Flowers gets – the dude never got any help ever, and mm-hmm. you know. Last week I said, "Well, watch out for Chad Wheeler because he was getting some help from DJ Fluker. He's not going to get that anymore." And lo and behold, Chad Wheeler looked like a looked like a college right. player out there. I mean, like you know, his system has just been his system, and I feel like at this point they're just like, you know what? You got one more year. You get the guys you need for your system. Prove that you got what it takes to be this coach. If you can make it work. To make it work. That's what it's. Yeah. That's my conspiracy theory at this point. Is that Possibly, we're so rudderless they, that that's the decision they made? What's the track record he has to do that? I mean, what? Why is the system so great? Why does anybody have any confidence that he can execute his system? I, I mean, the only thing I can think why of would is the buy into that. I, I, the only thing I can think of is, you know, what's been done at Green Bay. How similar it is to Green Bay system, and I understand that Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, but. You know, and then his first season as offensive coordinator, the team was putting up nearly thirty points a game. That's all I can think of. I mean, I I don't really know. I don't have an answer. Yeah, but Green it Bay was built ninety nine percent the way Green Bay was built was through the draft. If they're giving him one year to do it, that's not going to work. So all of a sudden, you know, I don't know. Last year, it's not going to work anyway for next year. But you know, maybe the plan is to get rid of Eli and take that cap money and use that. And, Go for broke what, on what a, cap on money. A, it's just a twelve million dollar dead cap hit. Even if he's traded, first of all, he'd have to waive his no trade clause. There's he would have to be waived and claimed. Well, 
that no trade clause might be wa- might be waived now. I mean, again, has has a potentially chilly relationship gone completely freezing cold with this move? Well, to the point of no yeah. return. It might have. Uh... And hypothetically speaking, what's the what value could you get on the open market right now? If Jackson, if Tom Coughlin calls up to tomorrow and says, or you know, hours after the final game is over and he's eligible to be traded, what do we get for him? A, a fifth round pick, fourth round pick. I don't people even think, know. People think, oh, we probably can get like a number one. No, we're not. Not for a thirty-seven-year-old quarterback with a huge cap number. I have no idea. Uh. It's not as if Jacksonville has like a ton of players that would make a difference right away for us. That's that's the thing. So, you know, the, the thing is, you know, if he's given one again, now the mayors, I don't know anymore what the mayors are, but you know, they're big into loyalty and they're big into patience. If they're going to give, you know, McAdoo increased power, it's not going to be a Cleveland Brown New York Jet situation if you have one year to do it or you're out. You know, if they're making the investment, if they're going to make the decision that Ben McAdoo is the bee's knees and needs to stay, it's going to be for a while. And you know, the only reason I can, only reason I can see retaining him is not that they like him anymore, but I think they're helping to execute this plan. And you know, next year's if you bring in a fantastic coach next year, with you know, potentially no quarterback. No, no Eli anymore. You know, holes to fill on the offensive line. Still very pedestrian running backs. You got to see it to believe it that Beckham is back to normal. This team might suck again. Does it really matter who's the coach next year? So maybe they're just rolling the dice and saying, if next year is a lost year again, fuck it. We already have McAdoo under salary. We guarantee he can come back another year. I just don't think my theory is as ridiculous and far-fetched as it seems like on the surface. No, I don't think it's ridiculous or far-fetched. Um, I, 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 I did fail to mention that... Um, You're drinking? No, not at all. <laughs> I wish. Um, no, I mean, like, Jerry Reese has had a track record of pissing off fans by getting rid of players a little bit earlier than they thought. Um, so is Bill Belichick. Yeah, no, and and I have always defended Jerry Reese on these moves. You know, yeah. Justin Tuck, it was time to go. Steve Smith, it was time to go. All these guys that leave, Steve Cruz, it was time they, to go. They always, they always do nothing wherever they go. I mean, Justin Tuck had like maybe a year, a a good year with the Raiders. Um, you know, but all these guys, the the chance that you're cutting bait with them one year too early versus one year too late, the the difference is staggering. This yeah. is totally different. Um, I don't want this to lump in with that. Uh, no, this is a little different. But that's now, why again it goes back to making no sense, and we have to kind of make sense of it. That's why I'm trying to think outside well, that, the box. I, I just I'm just saying like this isn't a purely emotional reaction. This is also logical. This makes no fucking sense, and it's not it's not like you know oh you're not resigning Steve Smith, but you know he was so critical in that Super Bowl, and he's he was our number one for a while. Who cares if he has a torn ACL? What do you mean Victor Cruz isn't going to be back? You know, this is totally different. Um, the other thing is, I'm starting to wonder now, there there was a point, <laughs> there was a point 
before this season started that I was really worried that, you know, what if we can't afford Odell Beckham when it's time? Now I'm wondering, what if he doesn't even want to come back here? This is New York. He's not going anywhere. I mean, you say that. But Brandon... Odell Beckham is not Odell Beckham in Kansas City. Or, I mean, the NFL is, they've done a very, very good job of making Green Bay as important as New York on the field. Odell Beckham is the mega star he is, the transcendent star of sports and into pop culture because of where he plays. Okay, forget Odell Beckham. Let me put it this way. Why do you think Brandon Marshall came here on such a cheap contract? Why do you think we were able to sign Janoris Jenkins, Damon Harrison, and Olivier Vernon, besides the fact that we had the money to do it? I was going to say, number one, we had the money to do it. That is number one. But number two is that they all believed that this was a team that could make it. And the mm-hmm. biggest reason for that is Eli Manning and nobody else. Yeah. So, you know, now I'm starting to wonder well, who we're going to be able to let's obtain. Not, let's, you know, I'm going to preface this by saying I love Eli Manning and everything he's done for this team. But Eli Manning is not Aaron Rodgers. No, of course you know, not. Eli Manning is not Drew Brees. He is... He's on that second tier of, he's not, I don't want, I didn't want to do the cliche of is he a lead or not. He is not at that Brady level of, he is that much of a difference maker. He's a, he's still a above average quarterback in this league, but people aren't coming to play for the Giants because Eli Manning's the quarterback. No, but it is a huge factor. And one of the factors isn't, you know, what he does on a day-to-day basis with this team. It's what he's done in the playoffs and how good he is in the playoffs and how well, how even-keeled he is. You know, I know I'm not trying to talk about the past, but when you say Aaron Rodgers, how many Super Bowls has Aaron Rodgers won? How how does he fare in the playoffs? How many times has he been in the playoffs? I mean, how many times has Eli been in the playoffs in the last eight years? It's just, it's just... Twice? Did Eli play bad in any of the playoff losses? Uh, no, I mean, last year we had you know tons of drops and it wasn't really his fault. I think the idea is that Eli is a guy who has ice in his veins, and if you make it to the playoffs, he's a guy who can push you through the playoffs. I think that's what other players see in him when they – you know what yeah. I mean? I, I'm not saying that he's the end-all, be-all reason that they come here. I am saying that – he is one of the reasons why this team looks like a potential Super Bowl contender. They're a very dangerous. They're a team we don't want to face in a one-game situation. Do you, do you think teams signed with the Eagles this offseason because, oh, that Carson Wentz, he can really – of course not. You know, I, I, I understand that he's not in the Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady echelon. Yeah, and by the way, those are the only two, really. Yeah, but if you're, if you're a receiver who signed like a four- or five-year deal, you're not looking at just this year. I mean, Carson Wentz had – enormous potential and he's probably fulfilling that potential earlier than we thought and to a higher level than we thought but of course yeah but when you have a young quarterback like that that's an that's an attractive thing yes um i think what i'm talking about is obtaining these guys who are ready for a big super bowl push and uh a dom- on defense the way these guys sign these four or five year contracts is because they're the young guys you know whatever but the defense is young you know, you have an aging quarterback. The offensive guys that they signed were not signed to huge deals with the ex- like lengthy deals, with the exception of Rhett Ellison. And I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility for you to sign a four-year contract and say, 
there's a chance that I can play three years with Eli Manning. At the beginning of the year, I don't even think it's outside of the realm of possibility right now. It's just the coaching staff has decided otherwise. Well, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's my next question is, is Eli Manning on this roster next year? Who the fuck knows? I don't see why he would be. I don't see why he would want to be. Is Eli Manning back on this roster if we have a new head coach and or a new general manager? Can he wipe the slate clean with this organization if there's no more Ben McAdoo? I have no idea anymore. I am in a bizarro world where nothing fucking makes any sense. <laughs> I, I'm serious. You know, there's so many things at play. You bring in a new head coach, you got a new offensive system. Is Eli willing to learn a whole new offensive system? Is he, if he goes to Jacksonville, how similar is that system? How much will he know? What, you know, what can he do? I don't even know. There's a chance that he just retires because he doesn't feel like dealing with it anymore. I, I, I have no idea. And that is the part that I think is so shitty about the way he's been treated. I think he's got a whole year next year of real playoff potential in him. And he was cheated out of it by a fucking dumbass with a shitty mustache and bad hair. Well, uh, yeah, so in addition to the rash, rash, rash of injuries and... Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was a legit... I I stand by that this was a legitimate playoff contender at the beginning of the year. You know, shit happened, it happens. Whatever. I'm just... I'm pretty livid. Um... For those of you who don't know, which is all of you, all one and a half of you, because my mom might listen to this one. Yeah. Um, hey, mom. Uh, I have I have a pretty pretty strict regimen of jerseys I wear to games. Um, home games I wear a home player. Uh, can be anybody. Usually somebody I expect to have a breakout game, but it can be anybody. Division games always Lawrence Taylor, and road games always road jerseys. From here on out, until I see fit, uh, it's Eli Manning's jersey. The greatest. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. My routine is I wear, you know, usually the the Eli home jersey for home games, the Eli away jersey on away games, and I wear Phil Sims for conference games or division games and playoffs and Super Bowl. Um, I'll be wearing the color rush Eli next Sunday when the Giants are home, and they're suddenly flexed game down to 1 p.m. against the Cowboys. I mean, who'd ever think? Would you think on August 1st, that Giants-Cowboys December Meadowlands is flexed not to 8.30, but to 1. Would you ever think August 1st that Eli Manning would be asked to step out of a game for Geno Smith so we could get a look at him and see what we have there? Yeah, that, that's, that's competition-wise or whatever. This is a financial decision the NFL is making with their, their cash cow, the Dallas Cowboys, and the biggest market team, the New York Giants, in a rivalry that always draws tremendous ratings, being pushed to one o'clock. I mean, it's. I, I, you're right. I'm just at a loss for words with the season and where everything is going, and nothing would surprise me next. Nothing. I. I the Giants are at Oakland this Sunday, four twenty-five. Sterling Shepard might play. Um, that's cool. Amari Cooper might not play for a concussion. Uh, Michael Crabtree's been suspended. It's been reduced to one game. Why? I have no idea. Um, I guess the only, the only logic I can see for that is the suspend- The they got thrown out of the game so early in that game that it's a de facto game suspension right there. 
I guess. I don't. You don't, you don't lose your money for getting thrown out of a game, so. Yeah. Well. Um, my prediction is who gives a shit. Um, I, I, we might see a fucking Nathan Peterman experience here, where well, Geno I mean, Smith goes in and throws five interceptions. Yeah, I mean it's Geno Smith. It isn't Nathan Peterman. I mean, he's a. He is an if he was a starting quarterback, I guess now he's a starting quarterback, he is in that twenty-five to twenty-eight ranking of starting quarterbacks. He's not Nathan Peterman, he's not some of the, the absolute dregs of the NFL. Well Nathan Peterman was a draft pick. We didn't know he was a dreg. Yeah, well he's a a guy who's not ready to play. He's not an NFL starting quarterback. I just mean I, I anticipate Geno Smith looking terrible. <laughs> I well to be fair, this is the Oakland defense, which has been pretty terrible as well. I guess. I mean, to me, it's just rushed. I mean, he has not been prepared for this. One week does not prepare you for all of a sudden being the starting quarterback and also having no weapons to throw to and a shitty offensive line. Same problems we had with Eli, but we had Eli. Yeah. So. I uh, yeah I mean. The energy has been so sucked out of my life watching this football team and watching my Florida Gators that at this point, I'm numb to anything. They can lose by 25, and I'm really not going to have any emotion anymore because I just want this season to end. Um, you know, they, the, the, the Giants organization has put the bullseye on itself with this Eli move. They're going to be the center of, of the controversy of our discussion. But the question is, you know, how do they? How does Ben McAdoo respond to this? And I don't think it's going to end well at all either. I agree with you. I don't really don't see another win on this schedule the rest of the season because now I'm assuming, barring injury, Eli is not playing anymore this year. Is that a safe assumption? I, that's my assumption. I don't know how safe it is. Yeah. If you're going with Geno Smith, or if he gets knocked out or is completely ineffective, Davis Webb. I don't see a win the rest of the way, which might be part of the master plan. But let us know so I, I can find other things to do on a Sunday. Yeah. I can, I can scout my tickets to Dallas next week to a Cowboy fan. You know, I, I can find some Redskin fan who's dumb enough to come up here on a New Year's Eve and he can, he can buy the, my tickets. Let, let me know that in advance. Don't let me shut up all the way out there in crappy weather and sit in the frigging cold. And have one of our famous $10 hot chocolates and look over at Grump and like, why the hell are we here? All I can say is I can't wait for the day that Eli Manning is inducted into the Ring of Honor and I can't wait to be there. Um, I'll be excited. For that. I mean, you know, for, for, all the, for all the bullshit that this is, and it is horseshit, um, you know, Eli's time was coming to an end eventually. Um, and I, I'm happy to say that for a very large chunk of my life, I got to watch Eli Manning play for the Giants. He could have. Well, you're, bringing up, you're bringing up an interesting point, Grub, and I was about to say it, but you kind of beat me to it. Is that for those of you don't, who don't know, I am, what am I, 15 years older than you, Grub? I don't know. Yeah, something like that. So I have not, I've been through the people of my youth, adolescence, young adulthood come and go. So now I don't have that same, you never forget your first time feeling. You know, I had Phil Sims for my entire life 
from 79 until he retired in 94. And I, I think I had similar feelings how Grump is feeling right now about Eli. I've really had, you know, I've had the Eli experience now for 14 years. I don't, you know, it's, it's it, I realize that football is a business and, you, and everybody moves on and stuff. So I'm not taking this as personally. Well, yeah, no, I understand. I just, obviously, I'm, I'm not upset that his time is, I'm upset that his time is over. I'm not hurt that his time is over. I'm hurt for the way he was treated. Uh, I think yeah. he does, he deserved a better way. He deserved to end on his own terms. Uh, unless, well, I mean, unless Davis Webb was truly, being prepared this whole time to take that spot, then, you know, that is, you know, his terms. That's, that's fair enough. And, and again, is, to me, you know, I, I don't think this is completely not, if this is a decision, you're being bent, you're not playing anymore. I think given, I think it was a, I think it was a fair request to say, we want to play the other two. Yes. Unfortunately, they fucked it up by not having, making, we want to see Davis Webb play. Right, and they weren't prepared Eli, to even say that. Eli made the call. Yes, they put it in his hands. Do what you want to do, and he decided I'm done. So I think, in a little respect, McAdoo is getting a little bit unfair treatment from this. Slightly, but again, but again, this isn't a we want to see Davis Webb because Davis Webb isn't right. ready. Um, and that's that's really where I think a lot of fans' anger is. There was a poll on Twitter that Jordan Raynon had, and it was, would you be as upset if? He was being, if we were seeing Davis Webb start, and um, it was overwhelmingly yes, but not as much. But to me, this is more of a just a dumb decision by McAdoo to want to see, um, to see Gino than anything that should be taken as offensive to Eli. Well, I think it's offensive that he wants. To it's see offensive Gino. to Giant fans that he's that dumb of a coach that he thinks that seeing Gino Smith means anything. But to t- I think people are taking this a little bit the wrong way of. Well, it's offensive that it's offensive that he even wants to see Gino. We know what Gino is. It's offensive that he even wants to see it. Yeah, he's dumb too. Whatever adjective right. you want to use, but it it is a you know. See, it's almost it should be reversed. This whole time, Davis Webb should have been taking reps, and yeah. it should have been we want to see the other two. You know, I'm gonna put Davis Webb in first, and then you know we'll see what Geno has to offer. And that's you know at that point it's almost like to see if you want to resign Geno Smith as a backup but, next year. But, but, how that, but how does that change really the equation of this is insulting to Eli and he's getting because it's not insulting quick. because it's not insulting to be to to want to see a potential successor. It's painful maybe, but it's not insulting to say. You know, we drafted this guy. We think he might be the future. This season is lost. We'd really like to see what he has to offer. It's not the same when you're saying Geno Smith. That's the point. That's the offensive part. I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just, from the moment I heard this, I, I'm i like, this is more stupidity than well, yeah, of course, it treating, is. treating Eli wrongly, I guess. I guess I'm not making that connection as I, much as I don't most think people it, are. I don't think it's intentionally meant to treat him wrongly, but I do think that it is unfair treatment to this guy to even consider that Geno Smith is is somehow worth taking a look at instead of yeah. instead that's of just playing. That's more judgment by the coach, and that's just you it's know. just fucking yeah, I, I get ridiculous. There. Um, there was something else I wanted to fucking say. Damn it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So you know, I I'm. It's not. I know you you said you know your your first 
you know, true connection to a quarterback, whatever you remember Phil Sims more than anything. But I mean, I'm, I'm truly, you know, happy to, to say that for most of my life, I got to see Eli Manning, who was the best quarterback in this franchise history. Um, and you know, I better correct than Phil Sims. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, statistically, uh, you know, I know the game has changed over the years, et cetera, but you know, even just the raw physicality, he just had a better arm. He's better at the line of scrimmage, et cetera. But Phil Sims is more of a, a little bit more of a moxie quarterback than Eli was. Yes. I mean, Eli just came up big in big games, but, uh, but Phil Sims was a guy. I still say, I said this back in 1990 and I still say it today. If it's third and 15, there's no other quarterback I'd rather have than Phil Sims. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, and just like we, you were at Super Bowl 46, I was watching from home. And, you know, in that scenario, we were in a final drive scenario. I said it out loud and then you texted me it. Um, there's no other quarterback I'd rather have in this scenario. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, he was the master of the comeback for the three minute drill, four minute drill, not necessarily the no huddle. Let's get it done. The, okay, we're down by four. There's three and a half minutes left. There's enough time to win this. You know, he's he holds the NFL record have in both Super Bowls, wide receivers stepping up and making timely catches and ungodly catches, you know, the Manningham catch. The helmet catch, but you know, Plexico Burris, monsterly huge for him in like the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyree had a big catch before the helmet catch, big catch. Yeah, he had a touchdown. The fourth down, I think, uh, was it Boss or someone? Like Steve a, Smith a, had a great catch on either third or fourth down. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's kind of you know inspired by confidence in your quarterback for these guys to step up too. Yeah, and and the Manningham catch to its credit. He didn't have a choice but to catch that. That throw was so perfect. Yeah. It could not have been, you know, two inches in any direction. Uh, you know, it's – I'm, I'm truly happy, happy that I you, was able you become to – You become a joke of a franchise. When you join the ranks of Cleveland and the Jets, this is the type of question – the head-scratching moves, like, what are you doing? You know, Where's the cohesion with this or anything else you're doing? What and the again, hell is the I'm, fucking plan? Yeah. What are we well, doing that's why here? I'm, we're going to end this with me going back to my conspiracy theory where I think this team is in such tank mode. They had to convince their coach to do something like this to, to, to enforce the shitty pick. And when you hear he's back next year, after you lose your shit, think about why he's back. I mean, I'm I'm not going to be a hundred percent. I'm not going to be shocked if Ben McAdoo is back. I'll be annoyed, but not shocked. Um, I would have been shocked before this benching. Very honestly, I I said I said there was zero percent chance that Reese would be back, and then I was, like, I was slowly saying there's a slight chance to be back, but he's lost this team weeks ago, and that that Thanksgiving game was kind of the clincher. I was down to zero percent. When this benching happened, all of a sudden I'm kind of like the conspiracy guy comes on, and I'm thinking he might be back next year. That son of a bitch, and, and he was the reason why. So we have to let this play out and see. But this is not going to be a happy town if the mustache is on the sidelines 
opening week next year. It's already not happy. There's already been billboards yeah. put up. And New York has never been that town. Well, New York has been the town with the Giants in the 70s. You know, ask, ask old-time Giant fans about the, uh, the plane flying ahead saying, you know, 15 years is enough. Fire John McVeigh, and you know, so yeah. But fifteen years is different than one year removed from eleven and five. That's true. Um, and speaking of which, uh, Cranky Fan has been super critical of all the seventies uh, Giants logo stuff that we've been seeing around for years, and just this year has said, you know, I might have to get myself something because it's starting to grow on me. I think it's just the dismal season setting in. Yeah, I mean, it's back to you know. I make the same things with my Florida Gators. We've been wearing orange lately. I'm like, what the fuck? Those are the bad years of the 80s and 70s. We were on probation and sucked. Why do you want to remind yourselves of shitty times? I, you know, why would you wear that early 70s NY logo before we moved to Jersey? I mean, that makes no sense. We played in the Yale Bowl back then, guys. We were terrible. You know, don't be a hipster and just wear shit you think is cool looking because... You could be in some rap video or something. Show some fucking pride, Giant fans. You know what? It's almost fitting. <laughs> anyway, this has been kind of all over the place. I'm just... I'm out of energy. Um, Whatever. Fucking Giants. <laughs> the draft is uh, five months away. Free agency starts in about three months. It's going to be an interesting offseason. I'm going to have my work cut out for me. Um, you can find, uh, you can find my grumpings, uh, on Twitter at football underscore grump. I've been pretty active the last couple days there. Um, maybe not saying much, but definitely replying to things I've seen and, uh, you know, retweeting things that I think are pretty relevant and interesting. Um, this episode and every episode, uh, going forward is always, always, always on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we will always bump it on Twitter at Just Giants Pod. You can catch the carcass of myself on Twitter at the Cranky Fan. We, we really do appreciate you guys sticking with us, loyal following that we have. You know, this is uh, these are times we haven't seen since the mid seventies, and you know. You laugh at teams like the Browns and, you know, all these shitty teams that, you know, their seasons are over in October. We become that. And, you know, hopefully the Marys break out of this funk they're in, fire these fucking asses, and, and let's start this all over again. So hopefully my conspiracy theory is, you know, just a grassy no conspiracy isn't real, but I just do not want to see Ben McAdoo on the side. I'm afraid of it, so... Well, all we can hope for is Kevin Costner for GM. <laughs> we have to, uh, we have to trade, uh, you know, our, our number one draft picks for the next three years to get a surefire guy. I need to trade him back. We'll see. <laughs> you know what happened in the movies? It can happen in real life. Trump's sure. president. Anyway, the Giants. I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's go Giants. I guess. Uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Growing up, you always knew about the Giants organization, and you just thought about this great tradition, great history, but really not until I became a Giant, uh, where you, you truly learn uh, why you thought those things, and that, and that all those things are true. Just the, everything that 
uh, you know, Wellington Mayor has done for the game of football. You know, the fact that he has, you know, the Duke is on every football right now. You, you get to learn about the Mayor family, the Tisch family now. They're truly 100% committed uh, to football and, and to their organization and to having success.